Welcome back, everyone, to the Becoming Immune Confident podcast. My name is Dr. Carol Wada. I'm a board-certified pediatric and adult allergy, immunology, lifestyle medicine doc, and we are so excited to talk about all things allergy, autoimmunity, anti-inflammatory living, and ways to help you become immune confident and competent. Today, I am so excited to welcome a colleague that I have been wanting to connect with and talk with more over the last probably year. Her name is Dr. Singla. She is a triple board certified physician that specializes in pediatric rheumatology and integrative medicine. And her story is unique because she was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis after becoming an attending rheumatologist. We know a few things about that. (laughs) That's right. And that also caused her to slightly pivot her career. Her pain points, both as a patient and a doctor, led her to found Room to Grow, a private medical practice where she helps children and adolescents with autoimmune conditions achieve faster disease control, less disease flares, less reliance on pharmaceuticals, and realistic coping strategies to build resilience in the face of lifelong illnesses. She lives in Houston, Texas with her Mm -hmm. husband and her three very active school-aged children, And she not only loves taking care of her patients, but encourages other female physicians to carry out their true passions and avoid burnout in medicine as well. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. So excited to be here. Can you share just a little bit more about, and we got the little short snippet of your story, but a little bit more about how you are here today doing what you're doing. Yeah, no, it's, I'm excited to be here. I always love connecting with other colleagues that have had similar stories as mine. Everyone's journey is different. And in mine, I had an idea of what my life would look like coming out of residency and fellowship. And then real life happens, obviously. So what I envisioned in in my head was that I'd come out of fellowship, become a clinician educator, publish tons of papers on cool cases. I was also doing a lot of quality improvement work. I was the director of our division for that. So I had a route I was going. And then I got sick. I got after my second pregnancy, I started having stiffness and fatigue. And really, I thought it was just becoming a new attending rheumatologist. I'm a postpartum. Maybe it's all related to breastfeeding. Who knows? And then I get this diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis. And it's quite embarrassing, actually, when you talk to the doctor and you're, and they tell you, you have this diagnosis that you treat day in and day out and you missed it in yourself. Whoops. Hmm. That sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's just a, it's a, it was a me issue. Like I just decided to ignore it or didn't pay enough attention to it, but it, it, things got really real after that, because for a while I, I was just in a lot of denial. And then I settled into the fact that, you know what, you have this chronic illness that you're going to have to deal with, and it needs to be in the background and the rest of your life will continue. It's not going to stop me from being normal. And to go from that mindset to actually living that, carrying that out, it takes a lot of work. And I realized that the way I was living my life and my goals and what I wanted my patients to feel, I had to take a different path than what I envisioned initially in my head. So I still love educating. I still love the academic side of things, but I realized that the way I was practicing medicine was more of a sick model. Yeah. And that is day in and day out, you ask, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Dr. Singla. What's going on? Let's do a physical exam. Let's get these labs. Nothing's wrong with you. Let's <laughs> move along. We're like, here, try this medicine, or here's how we're going to treat it. The visits were so directed towards what the problem is and the medical 
fix for it, which is necessary, obviously. But then you have all this complexity in the background that never got addressed, which was, how are you handling this illness? Do you know what your triggers are? What are you eating? Do you know that you're at higher risk for things like heart attacks and strokes if you don't do this and this? And so there was a lot of education that just couldn't be fit into a quote unquote, six model type visit. And that's when it, that was my first thought of like, how am I, okay, I get what I want to do, but how am I going to carry that out? So two years later, that led to me completing another fellowship in integrative medicine, and then figuring out how I wanted to apply that to my practice. And so then I left a large children's hospital in the summer of 2021, and then opened my practice about a year later in Houston. And so now I've been in private practice for about seven months. And I, it's amazing. It's amazing to have a thought and vision carried out and I'm actually living it now day to day. And so what would a visit with an integrative pediatric rheumatologist look like? What would make that different from the tip check-in? I see the adult rheumatologist, all (laughs) all of the things to consider. So from the moment you walk in, So the moment you leave, things are, it's a very different feeling, first of all. So my goal in creating that my environment was a healing environment, first and foremost. So the waiting room is smaller. The visits are longer. It's me and a nurse. We know your name. We know the mom's name, the sibling's name. So as soon as you walk in, we're like, hi, Kara, nice to see you. How are you doing? Let's go right back. (laughs) So my nurse will, so right off the bat, you're not it doesn't have that feeling of sterility because I go to multiple doctor's visits too, right? And you're like, here's my insurance card. Here's my driver's license. Go take a seat. And 30 minutes later, you get called back. It's not like that. And I didn't want that for my patients. So I try very hard to bypass the waiting room as much as possible and get pulled straight back. And so my nurse goes in, does her stuff. I go in, I start with the same regular stuff. Let's go through past medical issues, family history, surgery. What medications are you on? Supplements if you're on anything what kind of brings you in the same regular, what we call a history initial, the HPI, right? The history and physical exam or the intake. And then I do a deep dive at the end of all that. So I'll do, okay, tell me about what you're eating. Who does the cooking? What type of oils are you using? How, what's your favorite vegetable? What don't you like? So that's just like the food Mm -hmm. component. Then it's, okay, tell, walk me through your evening routine. You finish dinner, then what are we doing? What are we doing after dinner? Homework, brushing your teeth, and then how long does it take for you to fall asleep? What are you doing? Are you on your phone? Are you scrolling? Are we on TikTok? Are we having trouble falling asleep? Are you waking up in the middle of the night? Those type of questions. And then you notice a lot of interesting dynamics come out too between the oh, parent and what the child thinks is actually happening and what the parent says is happening. So you're like- Sure that oh. you uncover some things that- you're like, did you know you snore at night? I don't snore. Yes, you do. So I'm like, do we need to look for a sleep study? A lot of little things come out. And then the biggest thing I like to always focus on also is what makes you happy? What are your stressors? And for kids, stress, it might not be the right word, but more like what kind of gets you excited? Is it because it can be good stress or bad stress? So is it friends at school? Is it classwork? Is it an activity? Because sometimes based off of that, you start putting pieces of a bigger puzzle together of what their life looks like and why they might be having certain symptoms. I also ask about any psychosocial events or that have happened with COVID and the pandemic happening. I've noticed a lot of the beginnings of chronic pain shortly after the lockdown. And then by the time they're seeing me, they're in full-fledged, like what we call amplified pain syndrome, where everything hurts them. They've had every MRI under the sun done. Everything is normal. So I've been seeing a lot of those kids as well. 
because these things matter. So I'm, so the visit ends up being about 90 minutes to two hours, depending on what all is going on. And it does leave an opportunity to unravel and do digging into a person's life to figure out what's happening. Because a lot of times they're seeing me, okay, is this juvenile arthritis or not? My child is having a lot of joint pains and I'll say, no, the exam looks normal. Your labs are look good. Imaging looks good. But then they're still left with, okay, then what's causing the pain? And so then that's where I help finish the missing pieces as well. And it takes a long time, I think, to one, get all of that information, Mm -hmm. two, build that trusting relationship when so often folks have had multiple interactions with the healthcare system that maybe have been less than ideal or maybe have been frankly traumatizing. Oh, yes. I see that all the time where me just giving the time to listen to them is therapy. It's like holding space for someone. It's venting. It's like their version of journaling. They're getting it all out. And that in itself is very therapeutic for some people. And then, yes, you're right. It does take time to build that level of comfort to be like, this is what bothers me. This is who bothers me. And to be vulnerable. Nobody likes to be vulnerable. And so that's, it's hard to create that environment in a regular setting where I was practicing. I mean, you can't do that in 15 or 20 minutes. I don't, I guess if you fast forward. (laughs) Four times speed and talk really And sometimes it just takes patience. Like I have to reword things for people to really get to what it is that's bothering them. Absolutely. Or when I'm thinking of the classic example, and I will many times see folks who've dealt with chronic hives Mm. and I may be the third allergist they've seen for chronic hives. And the prior doctors looking through, they did a very great, they gave them great care, but sometimes it is just that time and being able to explain things in a couple different ways where it actually makes sense to the person too. Right. No, you're right. Because in my head, what I think of it is as in medicine, we're trained to play defense constantly, right? Like we, okay, this is what's happened and this is what we're going to do to work it up. And this is how we're going to fix it. But in my setting, I'd like to think I'm also playing offense because I'm trying to figure out what your triggers are, what's led you to this and how are we going to prevent it? So we have less doctor's visits and less medical bills and less medicines piling up. So it's a, it's a long-term approach mindset because nothing comes, nothing that's worth, it's going to come and fall on top of your head, like an apple from a tree. It takes work to figure things out. And so that's the part where I think time and just talking to someone and educating someone is where the visit is very different with me. My parents always love, they love sayings, but one of the sayings they would say time and time again, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And It's so true, but then the reality is our human brains sometimes take a crisis to put us back on track and being for myself, that has been the case. It's true. No, you're totally right. No one grows up with the mindset that let me practice breathing techniques every night. So when the time comes and I need to actually practice it, my body automatically knows what to do and it won't be so stressed. We don't have that mindset. We're just a very reactive society and we're very instant gratification and social media, Netflix. My kids saw commercials on a regular TV channel once and they were like, what is this? Can't we fast forward this? Like, why can't we see more bluey or whatever? Yeah. They're like, let's get back to what, what we want to do. And I'm like, guys, it's 30 seconds. (laughs) Back in my day, we had to sit through 
all these commercials, but that's how right. we found out that we were supposed to be eating Dunkaroos. Right. <laughs> There's stuff too. I love those commercials. I want to yeah. go back to that idea of reactive. And so mm-hmm. then the counter to, to that responsive and how does that look different? Well, the counter to that is being proactive about things, right? Mm-hmm. And right. Sometimes it does take you to get really sick or things just aren't going the way you want it to go to be like, we've got to do something different. And I will say the majority of the patients that come to me are like that. They, they've tried everything. Nothing is helping. They're like, please, can you help me? And usually it's an education when it comes to the world of chronic pain, for example, no one has taken the time to sit down and explain, this is what the neural circuits are doing. The pain that you're feeling is real. I'm not dismissing you at all. What think of a habit, think of a habit loop. How are we going to break it basically? So it's the education that counts, but reactivity is one of those things that is just so human nature that it's hard to teach someone, Hey, to be like this and not like this. It's one of those things that it takes life experiences for you to realize why it's more important to be proactive rather than reactive down to the simplest things, right? If someone says something mean to us, your initial reaction is to be like, would you say, what did, you know, rather than being like, let me count to 10 and then craft my response. And sometimes one of the things that I have been working on this year is for instance, reacting to my phone, like I like it'll alert. And like right now my, the nurse in the office is like, helping me. I had to do my yearly TV test, like getting that situated and, but turning off some of those alerts, setting systems in place, building routines and habits so that our brain default is more in line. What's going to serve us as opposed to yes, not. Yes. I, and that that's, first of all, it's hard to teach children that because adults struggle with it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm edging on 40. So (laughs) it's taken a minute. Exactly. But I start trickling those thoughts in there because it's really important to realize that's a thing like being reactive versus proactive. There are consequences to being one way versus the other. And I just paint stories and give examples to children of you're right. Look at us constantly wanting to check our phone at a stoplight when you're driving more and more people when they're at the front of the line and it's a green light, you have to honk because they're on their phone. Yeah. Majority of the time that's becoming a more and more common thing. So we're wiring our brains to act like this in order for us to unwire it. We have to first realize that being reactive is not a great thing. Being reactive in certain situations, don't get me wrong. It needs to serve a purpose, but when it social media is a perfect example, our phones, I've even had to do that in my practice where I have to time block my life. Like from this time to this time, I'm going to do this. And if something interferes within that time block while I'm trying to do a podcast, I need to do my best to ignore an email, a phone call, a bing, a ping, whatever it is. And I think the more we practice it, the stronger it gets. Yeah, absolutely. So it's simple, but difficult. <laughs> and that that's the reality with so many of the things that come up within, for instance, the lifestyle elements of caring for ourselves, our patients with chronic illness, the things that are tried and true, eating more vegetables, movement, these different things, we've all heard them before, likely it's the implementation and really fostering that routine use of them. That's where, that's where we all tend to struggle. I agree. And that's 
because we all know you're right good things that are good for us we should be doing so then why aren't we doing it why aren't we going to bed and not scrolling why aren't we watching binging on netflix for three hours before going to bed these are all habits that we know i think it's more of creating a game plan in order mm -hmm. to fight it be like okay so when this happens i am going to you have to like actively visualize yourself doing what it is that you want to do and then carry it out and then practice it every single day. Yeah. So that, that when you have a plan in your head of what it is that you want to do, it's easier to do it. And there's a really great book by James, was it James Clear, Atomic Habits? Oh yeah, Atomic Habits. Yep. That uh, outlines that and tells you down to the nitty gritty of how you can do these things. Oh, I love that. But you one. have to have the motivation also. That's part of it. Like it has to be meaningful to you to make that change. Oh, absolutely. So what, Let's talk a little bit more about the integrative piece of care that comes into what you're doing. What sorts of, what does that look like? What sorts of yeah. uh, things might you recommend to a patient? So it really, that's, I pull the integrative recommendations based off the history. So that's why the questions about the diet, the stress, the sleep, the physical movement, those are really critical pillars of integrative medicine. Things like they have symptoms of constipation, let's say a patient has mm -hmm. that and they don't want to take Miralax or, or for whatever reason, they don't want to take regular medications. That's fine. But here are some other things from maybe Ayurveda that has been taught that works for people is, are there randomized placebo controlled trials saying that ginger water with a little bit of cayenne pepper and lemon is going to help with your constipation? No, this is just anecdotal. That's been around for thousands and thousands of years from a culture that's not ours and it's worked for other people. So let's try it. There are other complementary minimal therapies. risk for harm too. Correct. Yes. Yeah. With minimal yeah. risk for harm. Yeah. Yes. I am not saying let's go on a detox. Let's kill parasites. Let's do mold testing. I don't do any of that, especially in children, because there's not enough evidence for the conditions I treat to say that there's utility in doing that. So then if there's no utility, it's a waste of money, blood, everything, specimens for us. So let's stick to what we know and see what works. We go from there. I'm not, I'm open-minded, but I'm also very scientific in terms of this is probably why something like this does shouldn't apply. And the risk benefit of something like this is there's the risk is low. So let's try it. Like the Ayurvedic tea concoction. Why not? Or even acupuncture, there's data now, there's actually more data for acupuncture and certain musculoskeletal types of complaints where I'd be like, let's do this, let's try it. Even the vitamin D for migraines, riboflavin, magnesium, CoQ10, there's trials enough, promising enough with minimal harm based on the dose and the brand and stuff that you're taking to say, let's try it because nothing else has really helped you. And this is why you're here and see how you do. So we have the the pharmaceutical kind of stuff going on where I'm recommending the various supplements indicated for conditions. We have mind body component also is very important for certain types of pain processing, right? So breath work, I teach alternate nostril breathing, abdominal breathing for little ones. We do bubble. I mean, like the blowing the pinwheels, uh. blowing bubbles. We do pufferfish breathing techniques. So base, it's really tailored based on what the condition is, how old a child is, and also how willing it is or how how likely it is that they're going to do the stuff that I'm recommending. Some kids like more of a app type thing on their phone. So they like to listen to stories. Uh, some kids like to color or journal. So I try to incorporate that if that helps them, especially when it comes to chronic illnesses. So if you're trying to um, deal with a long-term condition, 
building that resilience is really key because at some point they're going to be graduating from me onto the adult side and yeah. they need, they're not going to be walking in with mommy and daddy to go over the past medical history and stuff. So that's my part of my job is to make sure they're geared up for that. So I, I do give quizzes, like literally hand A, B, C, D, E, pick a answer, write the name of your medications and doses. So I gear them up for the adult side through adolescence doing that. That's awesome. That And I will say that has always been an area that's been near and dear to my heart mm-hmm. is a MedPeds doc yes. is this transition zone. Yes. And there are, I've had a couple of instances the last six to nine months where it just went so smoothly with a couple of patients that were incredibly medically complex. And it's really cool to see the systems like getting into place to do that because for so long, it was just this, they show up and yeah. you don't they know, know or in, they may not know, but like mm-hmm. in, in these, these two instances, which we had, um, my one patient on the podcast to talk about this, but we had a conversation with the doc before we had, I had documentation and labs and everything, but also the patient was empowered mm-hmm. in their own story to be able to share that, to know, to, to take on. And that is just as important. If not, it is. it is. And I don't care if you're spelling all your meds wrong. It doesn't matter to me. It, what matters to me is that, you know, what the medication is, what it's doing for you, what, it, how it makes you feel, what are the side effects for certain biologics you're supposed to hold it if you're sick. So do they know ah. those key things about the medicine? So I know I'm not looking for perfection. I'm just looking for, do you know the overall gist of what we're doing and why we're doing it? And right, it's so, important because if you're out traveling and end up sick, like you may not have access do? to. Yeah. So what do you do? You're left to your own devices. And the only way that's going to be successful is if someone has taught you how to be like that, how to think like me, how, what would I do? Like I'm a yes. phys- patient and a physician. So if I'm in a situation where I'm flaring, what do I need to have on me? If I don't, if I'm not next to my painting or things like that, that's what I've tried to instill in my patients. Yeah. And that. To me, that is part of the integrative approach because it's not just, here's your medicine. It's not like a directive thing and they're the passive recipient of my medical care. They need to be 100% in it just like me, right? Like I'm all for team patient XYZ, but you need to be for yourself as well. And that's part of it. It's that partnership that you're describing. Yeah. 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 Awesome. How else do you relate? Like I sometimes I relate to my patients very easily because of my diagnosis and that I will say that makes my job a lot easier, especially for a lot of patients who have fear of using biologics and immune suppressing medications. And first I assess like kind of what is, what is your fear? What is the worst case scenario in your head? And that's yeah. usually like a weight off of their chest of like, this is my cancer worst fear. Or, yeah. Yeah. Cancer or like there's something bad is going to happen. Right. And I'm like, let me tell you what my thought process is. And also I'm on these meds too. (laughs) And so you can't argue with the fact that I am taking these meds and I am very well aware of the risks, but I'm also well aware of the benefits and what would happen if I wasn't on these medications. So I think that relatability definitely helps. So it's not like a you versus me type thing. Yeah, it's let's do this together. And- It's cheesy, but I say it all the time. Teamwork makes the dream work. Totally. Totally. It's not a, like my success is going to be dependent on everybody else around me and saying my patient success is going to be dependent on their skin in the game and everything that I've taught them. 
Oh, so good. (laughs) So if people would like to come see you, where do you see patients? So I am in Houston, Texas. I do pediatric integrative rheumatology consults. That's like my number one thing, my my love, right? I'm combining the worlds of integrative medicine and pediatric rheumatology. They can see me through telemedicine or in person. I because rheumatology, the physical exam is slightly important. It's <laughs> very important. A little bit. Right. So I like to do in-person at least once a year. Say you don't live in Houston or you're not within driving distance of Houston. I'd like to see you at least once a year. And then we can do telemedicine based on how well you're doing. If you're out of state, it's very case by case dependent. If you have a pediatric rheumatologist that I can work with, I'm happy to do the integrative medicine consult component uh, of the visit and kind of try to tie everything together. So if ever you're if you, if you show want interest or have interest in seeing me, always go ahead and go to my website. I have a book now link at the top and you can type in what it is that you want to be seen for. And then we can review the your case and go from there. Awesome. And can you share what yeah. your website is? Yes, it's www.roomtogrowtx.com. So that's R-H-E-U-M and then T-O-G-R-O-W-T-X.com. Awesome. And we'll make sure that is linked in the show notes along with your Instagram and your Facebook. You're always posting really helpful educational posts, things that we can actually go out and try. I learned so much. Oh, thank you. Likewise, you too. You too. I'm like such a fan. (laughs) Fangirling. Mutually fangirling. I have been wrapping up episodes the last couple months by just asking to you, what does it mean to become or immune confident? I like that question. To me, becoming immune confident is multifaceted. So first part is being aware of what it is that you have and how it plays into the rest of your life. So it's be awareness of your condition, the medications you're on. What does your now look like? What does your one year look like? What does the future potentially look like for you? So that way you can navigate kind of the ups and downs. So you don't, your expectation in your head is not, everything's always going to be groovy. If I take this medication, it's that even if I'm on this medication, things might go the way I want it to. And it's that mental resilience. I think that's important to really build. Um, Not easy. It takes work. Mindset stuff always takes work. So to me, that's being immune confident. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Singla. You're welcome. Um, We, like I said, in the show notes, we'll link to your website and all the socials. So everyone can make sure to learn and connect and hopefully come see you if they're evil. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I am going to ask you once again to go into Apple Podcasts and submit a review of the podcast for me. But first, I'm going to share a review from Dr. Lex Rx. Dr. Wada's unique perspective is amazing considering she's both an autoimmune patient and physician. Her experience, expertise, and insight make this podcast so valuable. Keep them coming. One other from Amanda Catherine. Wow, so informative. Thank you for bringing more attention to autoimmune diseases. Each podcast is so informative and well thought out. Very impressed with all that you do. Thank you so much, Dr. Lex Rx and Amanda Catherine. I really appreciate the feedback and the review. I want to incentivize you to leave a review too. 
So anyone who leaves a review between now and my birthday, which is April 6th, will be entered into a drawing to receive a box of all of my favorites. If you've already reviewed the podcast, just hop back over and leave another review. If you haven't left a review yet, now's your time. You have a few weeks to do so. I'm going to announce the winner through my newsletter email. If you aren't subscribed yet, head over to drkarawada.com and in the upper right corner, you can hit the subscribe button. Thank you so much because Apple podcast reviews are one of the ways to increase how many people are able to access and see all of this education and information we're putting out into the world.